it's like starting again. Your your life starts again because I remember when I I came out at twenty eight, and I genuinely for the first time in my life felt like I was starting life the way it was supposed to be when I was like nineteen or twenty, and I was going to like I was going to clubs and I was feeling comfortable and I was chatting up guys and I was you know hooking up and. It was just like, this is what all my mates were doing with girls whenever they were 19 or 20 and I wasn't doing it, you know what I mean? Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where people tell me, Johnny Harvey, their coming out stories. And this week's guest is Chris McNaughton, otherwise known as Bear Strong. The sporting world, unfortunately, continues to be a deeply homophobic place and many athletes still choose to remain silent about their sexuality for fear of discrimination from fans and fellow sports people alike. Chris is somebody who is helping to change that by becoming the first openly gay strongman in the UK and Ireland, a sport which is arguably the most masculine of all. He is also a two-time Junior Ireland strongman champion. Chris is the owner of his own gym in Northern Ireland. Inspired by his own struggles with depression and his sexuality, he has become a mental health and LGBTQ campaigner, giving talks in schools and businesses around the UK and Ireland. He was featured on the BBC series This Is Pride and on the MTV show True Love or True Lies. Our interview was of course recorded remotely, so there was a bit of a delay on the line which makes it hard to chat, but Chris still gave a great interview and I was really pleased with the end result. We talked about why his nickname didn't start out as a gay reference, why he went through a long questioning period with his sexuality, what ultimately helped him to clarify that he was gay, why he considered leaving his hometown when he first came out, how struggling with his sexuality contributed to his poor mental health over the years, why he has no time for femme-shaming, and lots of other things also. You can contact me by emailing me at johnny at imcomingoutpod.com or tweet me at imcomingoutpod. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating, review and subscribe as it really helps me and other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. To begin with, I wanted to ask you about your your nickname, your moniker, Bear Strong. So it was actually one of my friends who pointed it out to me yesterday. I hadn't thought of it myself. So is that a gay reference, your name, or is that purely a coincidence? Um, it's, it is purely a coincidence. Whenever I was born, my dad always called me the Cub. And then I started, play, started playing rugby and people called me Bear when I was playing rugby. And then whenever I went into Strongman, I got my nickname Big Bear, um, obviously, because I got so much bigger. And I liked, I liked it, like, you know, obviously bears, big strong bear, you know, it's, it fit it well with my image and obviously having the beard and, you know, being such a big guy. And I was, you know, I am more of the, uh, my physique doesn't exactly have the bodybuilder physique. It's, you know, more big and muscular with, with a bit of winter comfort there, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Um, I, I I took on the nickname, no problem. It was only, you know, whenever I, I what age would I have been? Maybe like something around 24, 25, and then maybe a bit older, 26, 27, where I found out that 
it had another reference. It was actually a friend who I had brought over from England. And he had said, you know, because I was running a powerlifting club at the time called the Big Bear yeah. Powerlifting Club. And it was a very popular club. Now, this is probably a lot of naivety, you know, being from Northern Ireland. Like, I think if somebody from bigger cities and stuff like that there, you know, like London and stuff like that, this would have came to light a lot quicker. But, you know, with being from Northern Ireland, like, like nobody local really associates the name Bear with, with being gay at all. But, yeah. um, you know, he, he pointed it out because obviously he was a professional strongman, a very famous strongman. And all strong men have a lot of admirers when when it comes to, you know, the gay community. And um, he pointed out that, you know, he had said that he says, I wasn't sure. He says, you know, he says, I thought you were like sort of gay fans. And I was like, why would you think that? He says, just because you're called <laughs> the Big Bear Powerlifting Club. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't a clue what he was on about. But then even he explained it a wee bit more. And he was like, no, he says, like, bear would you like, he says, guys like us, he says, we would be known as bears. He says, but, you know, when the gay communities, you know, they have like a bear community. And okay. um, so I, I looked it up and I sort of Googled it to sort of see, go into Google, you type in gay bear. <laughs> it gives you a very quick insight <laughs> of what it is, like, you know. And uh, when I was going through your Instagram yesterday, you've got two new fees as well. And they look like two actual bears, don't they? Yeah, my boy's called Bear. He's a big black one. I got Bear. Bear just turned six this week. Oh, unbelievable. My best friend by far. Like, he's just, he's my absolute world. Like, and then the other one, Bella, she's the brown one. She's my dad's, but, you know, still a family dog type of thing, but she would be my dad. But Bear's, Bear's mine. But they all live together in the one house now. You know, they're very needy and very lovable dogs. So they don't like to be separated. Um, so they all live together in the one house now. No, they're beautiful dogs. I'm very jealous. I hope to have one eventually, one day. Tell me a bit about your background and where you grew up, Chris. Well, I grew up in I grew up in Larn, uh, slash Curran Castle. It's a wee village just outside Larn, out the country, sort of your Emmerdale style village. Grew up, played a lot of rugby as a teenager raced pigeons up until I was about 18, 19 with my father. It was, those were probably my two biggest interests growing up was racing pigeons and playing rugby. And so when did you first think that you might be gay and what made you think that? It wasn't like I just knew. It was like a process. You know, yeah. as, a, as a teenager, I knew that I had an attraction to men. There was all types of confusion, like all types. I wasn't sure if... It was just very, very confusing. It was all put together in time, if that makes sense. Obviously, coming from a place of very little openness about LGBTQ people and very little role models or very little inspiring people. Um, like the only person I can remember growing up that was gay was Julian from the UTV. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Was, oh, of course, was just yeah. Nobody, you know what I mean? There's nobody to relate to. Like, you know, there's nobody to to look to and. Do you know what I mean? That's that was yeah. uh, maybe like Graham Graham Norton, you know, like that yeah. was it. I guess that I didn't really relate too much, like that I was like them. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. Oh no, absolutely. So I think I would have figured it out a lot quicker if there would have been the help there is today. Yeah, there was very little representation back then, wasn't there? And I don't think Julian on UTV did he ever officially come out. 
I don't know. He was always well. Yeah, he must have done because he, he goes to Pride and stuff like that. And oh, okay. I've seen him. Oh, he's been. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to be out there, but like, like I, I assume, like you know. Uh, yeah, I'll have to look it up. Did you have any other awareness of homosexuality at the time? It was just one or two TV stars like Graham Norton and and Julian from UTV. So, did anyone else around you in school or at home talk about yeah. homosexuality at all? In school, it was very, it was talked about, but only in a very negative way. You know, it was never ever talked about in a positive way, which, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was like subject to like any homophobia. It was just always like, you know, words like faggot and poof and, you know, people were bullied for being gay when they weren't gay, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, yeah. like it was always used to, to slabber to people and to, to bully people. It was always in a, it was always used to bully people when people didn't even know if they were gay or not. So I always sort of thought to myself, imagine if you actually were gay and all that was fucking coming at you and it was because you actually were gay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there was, I, I know there was ones in my school who got bullied for being gay just because they sounded a wee bit more feminine and, you know, they didn't mature as quickly and all. And, you know, they've grown up and they, they're married and all now to, to girls and all, you know, so they're, they never actually were gay, but I know they got a lot of abuse for being gay. But there was never anything yeah. positive as such. You know, it was just always seen in a very negative way. I do think that it would have been more accepting outside the school within rugby because the team were very close friends. It was different, do you know what I mean? I, I always sort of did feel that they wouldn't mind as much. I don't know if that would have ever been true or not. You know, I think that there was, I think actually there was there was a stage, you know, where rumours started to, to come out a wee bit about myself, you know, at a stage of my late, late teens and early 20s. Like, you know, there was a small amount of speculation about it. So where did they stem from, those rumours? To be honest, it was it was probably loose lips type of thing. You know what I mean? Obviously, in my, my teens and my early 20s, I had, like, discreetly tied to experiment and stuff and okay. probably got talked about. Probably, you know... <laughs> interestingly, I find that the people who'd done the most talking were the people who had also experimented, but oh, okay, I right. think that was a way to get the light off them, if you know what I mean. Nothing ever, ever came out. Nothing ever, ever was, you know, nothing ever serious came out. I, you know, I guess it was just whispers and rumours that nobody ever paid that much attention to, but automatically you could see how people distanced themselves away from you. Yeah. You know, because there's that whole saying, it's not gay, it's not gay, it's rugby, you know, where lads have banter and crack with each other. Yeah, because rugby does strike me as being such a gay sport, doesn't it? It's so tactile and you have to do quite a bit of touching and grabbing other men by their waists and their legs. And... It is, like, you know, uh, like, I suppose in that way, obviously it's a physically contact sport, you know, there is that side of it, but as well as that, like, the banter and the crack and, the you know, the drunken nights out and all the rest of it, like, you know, it's it's the whole borderline taking it to the edge type of thing you know I, I i know there's a lot of people that i played rugby with in the past and they decided to go the opposite way to to not come out and to keep continuing the the heterosexual lifestyle you know i i hope that they they've found happiness with that there but they're know, still closeted is it they probably haven't or they, they're, they're unknown yeah very much so like you know but that's that's each person's choice, like do you know what I mean? Yeah. And do they have girlfriends and wives and 
Do know, yeah. Do know. And you mentioned there about experimenting with your sexuality when you were in your late teens. Did you do that through mm. gaydar or was that through going out in Belfast or? I I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day. We were having a bit of a chat, you know, and um, I was saying, you know, whenever I first got curious about looking out there, like maybe it was there. I don't know when Grinder and stuff like that first came about. I'm not sure. Yeah. Now you're going back to whenever I was a teenager. Going back whenever I first wanted to sort of was getting curious and wanted to experiment. You'd be going back eleven, twelve years. I don't know if it was okay. there, but back then I didn't know anything about it. You know, it was a it was a thing back then. You were genuinely scared to search anything on your. I just to search or to go near anything to do with gay was just the most scariest thing ever. In fact, you might get caught. So, like, you wouldn't have had general conversations. Um, you wouldn't have had, you know, chit-chat about and to hear about these things, you know what I mean? The way it's so, you know, you hear about it so easily now. But back then, yeah, I did so much so more open. I remember, yeah, yeah. And it was whatever way you could do it anonymously was obviously the main thing. So I, I said the first time I was sort of, trying to hook up if you like or the experiment the um it would have been it was through a chat group at the time it was like orange chat you know like orange phone oh, okay um, and i remember it had like a, a thing you put in it where it was like men uh, interested in women and then you could change it to men interested in men and i changed it and um sort of looked through and oh god like like many 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 people it took a very long time of just messaging to actually get the confidence to do it and the first time I actually did do it it was that you know obviously somebody who, who suffers with anxiety it was a most awful experience in my life and, and afterwards I repeatedly just kept throwing up and throwing up for like days with nerves and sickness and not being able to eat and just the absolute fear and worry that that this I've could come out, out. This could get talked about and yeah, it was like it was bad. It was literally it was probably about a year before I decided to do something again. You know. Yeah. No, I'm so sorry to hear that you had to go through all that. But it was it mostly the fear of where you were just living in such a small town, and then Belfast is such a small city, so it must feel like everybody mm. knows one another. Because even from my perspective, like I live in Dublin, but I mean the gay scene is so mm. small. And like I wouldn't go out on it for years yeah. until I officially came out. But it must have been even harder on you because you're from such a small place. Yeah, it was like, you know, it was like like don't get me wrong, I, I went to gay clubs long before I came out, but I went to gay clubs totally acting as a straight guy, you know, with girlfriends and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And it was really nice, like really nice and really interesting to see that world and you were looking at it out of the corner of your eye, if you know what I mean. Like our local club, the Kremlin, you know, I went to it maybe four or five times before anybody knew that I was gay or bi or anything, just to go and party and have fun like many, many straight yeah. people do. But it was very interesting to see it. It was, it was, <laughs> anybody from Belfast that listens to this here and hears me talking about going to the Kremlin has been exciting. They'll, <laughs> they'll be rolling their eyes and thinking what, but, um, you know, it was back then, like, you know, it was. Yeah. And so did you go through a long questioning period about your sexuality? You mentioned there that you had girlfriends. You know, I, I always knew that I was, was, was curious to guys, but 
I wouldn't say I was gay as a teenager. I wouldn't even say I was gay when I was in my twenties because I went with girls. I had a lot of relationships with a lot of girls, a lot of very good looking girls, and I was even engaged to a girl. And you know, it was I enjoyed the relationships at the time. I wouldn't say I enjoyed every single part of it, but I enjoyed the relationships at the time. I did have a an interest or a wondering eye about guys, um, but even many many straight men have a wondering eye about other girls as well. If you know what I mean. So like, yeah. but I knew I knew there was something there. It just sort of kept maturing, and then, you know, I for the first time I always knew I fancy guys, but I was always I, like I hear quite a lot of people saying now. I always knew I fancy guys, and I always knew I was very sexually attracted to guys, but I did always say that um, I would never ever date a guy, or I would never ever want to go out with a guy. That was always my mindset that you know I could do things with guys, but I didn't want to ever go into a relationship with them or ever date them or anything like that but then I, I, I met a guy jeez oh how many years ago is it maybe four years ago or something like that um yeah four or five years ago I met a guy who, who he lived in Ireland but he lived about an hour and a half away from when I live and we started properly dating and then we went into a relationship in, in secret so people just seen us or knew us as being best friends they never knew that we were actually, you know, a full-grown couple. Some people did, like like his family and stuff like that there, uh, and close friends of, of, of his would have known. But n- nobody knew what the actual relationship was. They just thought it was close friendship. Yeah. And um, we were together about a year, and it gave, me, it gave me an insight as to what it would actually would be like being in a relationship with a guy instead of just wondering what it was going to be like. And then whenever we, bro- we broke up, it was just sort of, I came to the the conclusion that I don't want to go with girls again. I, I had maybe five serious relationships with girls up until then. Okay, quite a few. Yeah, and I just didn't want to do it again. At that stage, I would say that the the, the sexual attraction was still 50-50. But then I decided you know, that I just did not want to go out with girls again or didn't want to be with girls. And um, then that's when I decided to come out. And um, because... I just seen what way of life that I would rather have, but it was only after I started. It was only after I came out that I genuinely went to, you know, it was not fifty fifty anymore. If you know what I mean, it's um, yeah. it sort of became more gay, if you like, for yeah. lack of a better term. <laughs> so it was that relationship with another man that really clarified your sexuality for you. Yeah, well, it just let me see what it was like, you know. It's like anything up until that point had just been fun, you know, and and, and hooking up and and just sort of pushing down any desires that was there temporarily, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I've heard that from gay men before as well. It wasn't until they had a relationship with a man until uh, it wasn't until that point that they really completely made sense of their sexuality. So you were about 28 at this point or so. Yeah. How did you go about the coming out process? My, my biggest issue was that, um, you know, I was in the, the public eye. So yeah. my thought of it was that if I tried to come out quietly in any way, shape or form, that it's going to be treated then like gossip. And I didn't want that. Do you know what I mean? So I decided to come out and just own it. Take control of the narrative. Yeah, because like if I decided to be like, right, you know, here, mom, dad, you know, sisters, 
I'm gay, but I don't really want it to be talked about much and all the rest of it. It would get talked about, and then it would turn into a dirty rumour. And it wasn't a dirty rumour, and I didn't want it to be a dirty rumour. And I've seen it with people before, you know, in our town so much, with people coming up and going, here, did you hear who's gay? It happened anyway with me. A lot of people came to me and told me that, that it was the it was the talk of the town for a very, very long time. And it was been talked about in a dirty rumour. But... How did that make you feel? Well, I learned to cope with it ways. You know, people were coming, going around saying, here, did you hear this? Did you hear that, that boy, Chris, yeah. not on the strong man, he's gay? And then people were like, yeah, sure, it's, it's all on his Instagram, on his Facebook. It's not a big secret. Do you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it, when you owned it and you took it on took it on your shoulders, it, I felt that it, it took it away from people that got a bit. Do you know what I mean? I felt yeah, like you it, regained it the away. power. Yeah, it's like this isn't your gossip to run around and spread. This yeah. is my story yeah. my life. And it's not gossip and there's nothing wrong with it. So it doesn't need to be a dirty secret. But, you know, bear in mind, and especially for anybody listening to this here, I had the strength to do that when I was 28 years old. Did not have the strength to do that when I was a teenager or in my early 20s. Yeah. You know, it took me it took me a long, long, long time to, to have the strength to be able to cope with that. So it's not something that I recommend that people people do you know I, i'm i've said many times before i'm not one of these people who who push other people's into having to come out you know there's there's, there's a time for everybody to do this yeah and, everyone's know, story is different time is right for me but the main thing that stuck with me was or the main thing that i thought was i one of the best things for me was i coming from a small town like lauren in northern ireland even even anywhere in northern ireland you know I started traveling about, so I took myself off to London. Um, I just would have spent like a week in London and just like going here, there, and everywhere. And like you know, I went to Soho, I went to Camden, and I seen a total new way of life. I, I traveled three and a half thousand miles across America, and you know, I, I seen how massive the world is. And one of the biggest strengths that I had about coming out was if it doesn't work out here, then fuck it, I'll go somewhere else and I'll live somewhere else where it will work. It's sad, though, that you had to contemplate that happening. And thankfully, it didn't. You didn't have to leave your home and your business behind you. But, you know, it's a real shame to hear that you had to mm. consider that. It is, like, you know, and like, don't get me wrong, I still would love to uh, be able to move to London or to England someday and hopefully someday in the next few years. Uh, because I do believe it's a healthier way of life uh, for your mental health more than anything. You know, I wouldn't diss Northern Ireland. I wouldn't diss the country. Like you know, it is a it's a beautiful country, which is which is regrown day by day, stronger and stronger. But you know, me as a gay man, it's not the most perfect place to live. And you know, why should I settle for less? You know, why should I just stay here because this is where I was reared? Yeah, and you mentioned there earlier, it's not nice being at the receiving end of small town gossip, especially when you're going through something that's so hard and it's it's so personal to you and this is you know it's more than just some entertainment or some gossip for some local people this is actually something that you know yeah. you've struggled with for a long time yeah i found my peace with it now you know what i mean like it's always going to be yeah you know you'll always be part of gossip you're living the lifestyle you're living you know like sometimes you know i i've just i've learned to live in my bubble but you know not 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 exclude the world if that makes sense you know, I think to reach your full potential with, within yourself, you just to do your own thing, live your own life and not let any negativity come into your bubble, but like yeah. fully listen to advice and listen to 
positivity and, and listen to criticism, you know, uh, pos- or what's the word, positive criticism or, you know, yeah. you know, there's things that we went down, like me and me and John, when we first got together, we both, for different reasons, you know, uh, wanted to raise raise awareness of our relationship because it was, a, it was an interracial relationship. We were both yeah. two very non-stereotypical people and we both believed that, that our relationship could help a lot of people out there and it did it helped thousands of people you know whenever we went on to mtv um and we did the true love true lies series you know that helped thousands of people all over the world like all over the world and you know the messages that we got from that was 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 was, was massive yeah that's a good point there aren't that many um interracial gay couples in the public eye when i think of it there's not no, and, and it, it it wasn't. I I hold my hands up and be honest. It's not something that I even knew was a thing or was an issue. It was I just looked at it very innocently or naively or whatever. You know, I didn't I didn't know that it was a thing, but it, it turned out that you know that that it is. And you know, as I say, we we believe that you know, and that's the only reason we really went on that show was. Because we wanted to show people who were like us as teenagers and who are who are struggling or who are who are not knowing, you know, if it's okay type of thing, and like we we came across the way we wanted to come across and we we achieve what we wanted to achieve with it. Both very happy that we'd done it. And one part of the documentary which really stayed with me was where you talked about how homophobic comments made publicly by politicians growing up they really deeply affected you can you tell me a bit more about that yeah like i I think it's something that affects a lot of young people i think it's something that that a lot of politicians are very either naive about or they just don't care the comments that have been made especially by you know politicians up north and the things that have been said you know like uh, it's something that if you said it about anybody else apart from gay people, you'd be probably put in jail for it, if not definitely yeah, exactly. sad. When you're a young person and you see politicians or you see mayors and stuff like that, you see them as, um, you know, because they're on TV and because they're in the newspaper, you think that they're they're a big deal. You know, yeah. when you get a bit older, a bit wiser, you realise what they actually are. I 110% believe that, it, that it's comments and it's things that have been said over the years that got there that have led to many... LGBTQ children with depression and, and many, many um, suicides from LGBT youth, yeah. LGBTQ youth. A hand on my heart, fully believe that uh, they're at fault too much of it. Yeah, it's incredibly dangerous. They've got this huge platform and they're using it to make really, really damaging comments about and it's it's harder for younger people because they are more impressionable. And it's still going on with a lot of church leaders, a lot of archbishops and a lot of people who are higher up the church hierarchy who make really you know ignorant comments about gay people and I think maybe it's improved a little bit since when we were younger but I think the trans community are definitely on the receiving end of a lot of hateful and unacceptable comments being made in the media about them and I think people do need to stop for a second and just think there are people who are on the receiving end of this and who it could really really damage them in a very serious way and in the documentary it also looks at the struggles you faced with mental health over the years you even at one point considered taking your own life so how much do you think having to hide your sexuality for such a long time do you think that really contributed to your poor mental health 
110%. There's no doubt about it. I would say it was the main, you know, I, I made the Bear Song documentary about two years ago, but since then, you know, I've had a lot more time working on mental health and a lot more time to be able to have a look back at my own journey and understand my own journey. And, you know, it had definitely played a massive, if not, you know, most of the the impact of suffering with depression and, and, you know, attempting suicide because I genuinely would have, you know, for a long, long period, I genuinely would have chose to kill myself before I would have had anybody know that I was gay. It was the better option. Um, it took me a lot, a lot of years before I became okay with that, you know, to come out. But, you know, that would have been the option I would chose. You know, if I, I see me as when I was... 18, 19, you know, if, if, if somebody would have turned around and says, here, Chris, there's text messages going around about you or there's, there's a, you know, somebody's talking about you in that yeah. way or somebody has said this and this, I had 100% just there and then ended it for myself before I would have actually faced that. Because, mo- mostly because of not knowing or understanding what's actually out there. Do you know what I mean? Only ever seeing it in a negative way. Like, I, I remember as a, as a kid, whenever I knew that, this is going back when I was like 10, 11 years old, and I knew that I fancied boys. And um, I, I used to like scream crying at night, and my, my parents couldn't get me to sleep. But I, I couldn't tell my parents what it was because, like everything, if you know, I felt that I'd done something wrong or that I was a bad person. So, like, anything with your parents if you've done something bad you don't want to tell them about it like yeah. do you know what I mean if you if you went and you smashed a window you don't come home, walk through the door and say here mom I smashed a window you hide it and keep it to yourself you know it was absolutely of, of no fault to my parents at all it's, it's just a, what children do and um you know I felt that I was this bad horrible person who was doing something illegal and was going to go to hell and you know I just sit and like ball my eyes out at night crying and my, I think my parents thought it was because of going to school the next day that um I wouldn't go to bed and wouldn't go to sleep because I was going to school the next day and I was getting into a state about it but you know really that's what it was about it was just going to bed and lying in bed at night and having nightmares and you know really thinking about who you are and what you are and stuff and it just scared the shit clean out of you, like, you know, but... Um, I'm so sorry to hear that you had to go through all that. I mean, you were really, really tortured about your sexuality from a very young age, weren't you? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, it, it's... There's so many aspects of it, you know, and the thing about it is 90% of what was, what was in my head and what I was worrying about, you know, when I did come out, wasn't something to worry about, you know, like, I didn't... Yeah. I just didn't think because me, me and my dad are best friends today. We're, we're stronger friends today than we've ever been. And growing up, we were we were very very close. Like I'd done everything with my dad growing up. You know, like every weekend was with my dad, and we would say we raced the pigeons together. And you know, we I played rugby, and he'd have been there every single match. Took me to every training session, stuff like we're very very close. But we were like best mates more than we were like father and son the majority of the time. So. You know, we we did chat about girls and we chat about this and that and like looking back, he, he never really done anything to make me think that he wouldn't accept. You know, all he's ever done is is love us all, like beyond belief. But <clears throat> you know, I 
I didn't think that he would. And I thought whenever I come out that that would be my relationship with my dad finished. And, you know, that, that's how much it meant to me and meant to my happiness to be able to come out that I was willing to sacrifice our relationship, you know. So how did you go about coming out to your family? Did you come out to your dad first or was it your sisters or your mother? I told my younger sister first. And how did she respond? Well, she, she was 110% with it. You know, like she says that she would she would be there for me and she would support me and that, um, you know, that the mum and dad would be okay with it and all. You just need to tell them. So I, I told my mum first and then I said to my mum that I was going to leave leave the house and I was still living with my parents at the time because I had just opened... I just opened not so long, opened the gym, and um, I was living with them to sort of save money to get the business up and going. And um, I says to my mum that I would leave the house and then tell my dad, as I say, just expecting the worst type of thing. And um, she went on to tell my dad. And then I say it took him a few days to sort of figure things out. And then yeah. he just came in one night and he gave me a kiss and he says, I don't always love you no matter what. Oh, and um, you know, that was, it, it, it did like, you know, see, to be honest, like I, I I told them that I was gay, maybe told them a couple other bits and pieces and then it wasn't talked about for a while, but where it really started to actually get a lot better and where it really started to get good was whenever sat down and answered all the questions that they have, you know what I mean? When they could understand it, then it made life a lot easier. And I, I say that about everything, you know, like I believe homophobia, I believe bullying, I believe like so much stuff in life comes from not understanding something yeah. and you don't understand something from like ignorance. It confuses you quite a bit. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's not, it's not even like, you know, when you think about like our, our parents growing up, our parents growing up never seen anything to do with being gay in a yeah. positive light. They never seen anything anywhere, unless they were gay themselves. They never ever seen it. And how could they see it? Like being gay whenever... My parents were growing up was seen as being a sin. It was seen as being like you were going to die. It was like, mm. you know, it was the most awful, awful way to see anything. Yeah, our parents, they're from a completely different generation. And that cultural conditioning about homosexuality, it's so deeply embedded. And it does, it just takes them some time mm. to to get to process all this information and to get used to the idea. And especially with somebody not to buy into lazy stereotypes, but particularly with you, I'm sure it came as a bit of a surprise to your family. Well, it did come as a surprise because obviously like, you know, I've been in relationships with girls. Yeah. I've been, I was engaged with a girl, moved into a house, planning on getting married a while ago, you know, a good while ago now and talking about having kids and all that. Like there was no, there was no, alarming signs i think whenever you know as i said i dated um i i went went out with a guy for a year in secret i think there was some questions being raised there but it wasn't long after that until i actually did come out but you know yeah it wasn't the it, it was a shock to them like you know what i mean and um you know i just think that that, that so many people I think it's very, very important, especially for young people or people who haven't come out, listen to this, is to understand that when, when you come out, the chances are you'll get a hug and a kiss and it might be awkward for a wee while, but it's just like a process and say a time to process things. That's all it is. Do you know what I mean? It's not that people yeah. don't support you. It's not that people, 
you know, don't love you for who you are. It's just a, a wee bit time, wee bit of time for everybody, even your friends, to process it. You know, especially if they didn't know about it beforehand. I just think that you know, too many people come out and they hope that you know it's 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 going to be something different than what it is. You know, and you just have to. I I, I honestly think once you come out, it's like being. It's like starting again. Your yeah. your life starts again because I remember when I, I came out at twenty eight, and I genuinely for the first time in my life felt like I was nineteen or twenty. Yeah. I I just felt like I was starting life the way it was supposed to be when I was like nineteen or twenty, and I was going to like I was going to clubs and I was feeling comfortable and I was chatting up guys and I was you know hooking up and it was it was just like this is what all my mates were doing with girls whenever they were nineteen or twenty, yeah. and I wasn't doing it. You know what I mean? It was like starting life again, but it was it was brilliant and it was exciting. But you know, it won't be a smooth train for everyone. It wasn't a smooth train for me, like you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's just give it time, let it let it grow. And how did you go about coming out within the strongman world? So, as I can imagine, it must it's such a hyper masculine world. So, how did your coming out? How was that received within that world? Well, there was there was a fella. Um, Dave Warner, who was um, a very good friend of mine, he ran a lot of shows. He's he's actually one of the head referees at the, the Giants Live, and um, you know he's very very high up in the sport of strongman. And he was a guy who was very close to me. I guess he was sort of like you know he was a very very close friend, and it was important that, that as I said at the start, whenever I thought about coming out, I, the main thing to me was people that I was close to were accepting. Everything after that didn't really matter that much. Um, so I wanted my family and my close friends to be okay with it. And then, you know, gossip, anybody else, I just didn't really give a shit about it. But, you know, I so I told my, my mate, and he was 110% with it, you know, and cool. it was a wee bit emotional. And um, he just says to me, he says, you know, he says that I have your back. He says, no matter what, he says, but I can't foresee you having a problem. Now, I had seen, there was a, there was another strong man in America who had come out, I think about two years before I did. Now, I was competing a strongman long before he was, but he came on the scene and he had done pretty well. He'd done well. He's, he's a very, very good strongman. And he came out as gay. Um, when he came out as gay, it didn't seem to be received that well. Um, okay. I remember reading social media posts and it had been very negative. And, you know, a lot of people saying sort of, so what if he's gay? What does it matter if he's gay? Like, we don't care if he's gay. Why are you going on about this? Why do you have to come out as gay? You know, why do you have to make a big deal out of being gay? And, you know, there's just a lot of people being like, I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to know about this type of thing. So that sort of did put me off quite a bit, you know. Not, not didn't put me off. It just made me worry a wee bit about coming out and, and I don't like to say the word putting it in your face, but being yeah. too open with people in the, the, the strongman community. But I... When I came out, it was received really, really well, you know, and I had actually retired from the sport, stepped away because, and it was a lot to do with the fact that I wasn't out and about worrying about things coming out and stuff like that and still competing and, and having to deal with it there as well, deal with it everywhere else. So I had stopped competing for a while and um, I, I decided once after I came out, I decided to come back and the first competition after I came back was in school uh, Scotland and Glasgow and um, I was at a big expo and I just spent the whole day shaking hands non-stop I was trying to compete and trying to lift the log it was a log lift and deadlift competition and when I was standing 
trying to get ready. It was just people calling me over from the from the barriers, wanting to shake my hands and stuff. It was it was pretty amazing, like you know. But the sport has been uh, the sport is it's not an issue in the sport. Like you know, strongman is very very accepting of um, the gay community and are very accepting of LGBTQ people. Like it's it's not a sport that anybody should ever feel uncomfortable in. I know, as I mentioned already, Christy, you are very much, you're, you compete in strongman competitions and you're very much the alpha male type. So within the gay community, it is very diverse and it's made up of lots of different people. I'm not buying into any lazy, lazy stereotypes or anything, but for someone like myself, who was quite clearly really gay from a young age, mm. I've always wondered what it was like for somebody like yourself. Like you would have maybe more of a passing privilege and it might not be quite so apparent so do you think that Mm. makes growing up gay and coming out do you think that's made it easier for you or more difficult in a way yes it's made it a lot easier but you know me growing up I I couldn't accept myself the same way any other you know any other person finds it hard to accept yourself now I the main reason I couldn't accept myself growing up and sexuality was a part of it but my my body image and my looks was was the main thing, um you know for somebody who's grown up and you know they have other reasons of why they can't accept themselves and find difficult difficulty in accepting themselves, you know once you find strength in who you are as a person then you can you can achieve or you can you can do anything, and you know once I found strength within myself and 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 learned to as cheesy as it sounds, you know love myself then. I found that I could tackle things head on, and, yeah. and tackle things a lot, a lot, lot better. You know, I do really feel it for people that didn't have that, you know, maybe that security blanket that I had to keep things hidden, and and you know, people who, you know, their personality makes it maybe more obvious to people, and it's harder right. to keep hidden. You know, it, it almost I guess is a bit of a force in a lot of people that they have to come out. I didn't really have that force there that you know people think you're gay or people know you're gay so you're gonna have to come out i got to totally decide it myself yeah it's relative isn't it there's positive and negative aspects to it but you mentioned there about body image issues and but uh, they're really prevalent within the gay community there seems to be a, Mm. a lot of gay men I know probably myself included have real hang-ups about their how their body looks why do you think that might be do you have any theories on it the main reason that it's so big in the LGBT community is because we when you're a heterosexual man and you fancy women you have no idea you have no relation as to what an attractive male is apart from yeah good point yeah a guideline of what you see in the media when you're a man who fancies a man you see through your own eyes and through your own lust what an attraction is. And when you don't see it within yourself, then it, it could be quite hard for you to love yourself because you look at, like myself, you know, I, I don't particularly find my body and how I look attractive at all. So it was very, very hard for me to accept that I am an attractive person. You know, what you'd normally find as well when uh, with, with gay people is some people are attracted to people who look like themselves which you know can be a lot easier for them but the majority of people aren't you know so I've seen a lot of people who 
aren't big and muscular but are very attractive to people that are bigger muscular yeah and i've seen people who are big and muscular who aren't attractive to people who are big and muscular um so when you when you have a a clear understanding in your own head of what you're attracted to and and what you lust for then when you don't see that in the mirror it it could be quite soul destroying to yourself but you know it's 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 something that, that that you have to very quickly take control of is that you know what you and understand is that what you find attractive it doesn't necessarily mean what the whole world finds attractive actually yeah, it's far far yeah. from it you know everybody no matter what your body shape is uh, you know your body shape is something that thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there will absolutely love and thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there will absolutely hate that's just life you know you, you yeah. can't have the one body type or the one look that absolutely everybody loves that is that is a totally impossible mission to achieve so like for people who 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 are struggling with their body image and, and, and who are struggling with how they look you know if you think of what you want to achieve that that if you achieve that that look that that, that attraction is, is the exact same results as what your previous attraction had you know what i mean it's I, I don't believe that um, anybody should ever, ever have to change. It's just very difficult because you see through your own eyes what you find as being attractive. Um, you know, I, I, when it comes to, you know, sort of the personalities that you sort of see when the LGBT community within, within gay men in particular, you know, where, you know, you have the whole bloody masculine and, and feminine and, and, and camp and all that carry on, you know, it's it's something that I I I hate the fact that there's labels put onto it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I hate so many categories. You know, yeah, like I, I just you know, I, I I know a lot of people are, are, are quite um you know timid about about talking to me and stuff because they've had so much experience with in brackets, masculine men, if you like, not liking camp men and stuff like that, and it's fucking mm, yeah. bullshit that there. Like you know, what I mean, like nobody should be put down, you know, for reasons like that. There, it's it's just you know, I I judge people on on, on their personality and who they are, and if you're a dick, you're a dick. You know, it, it doesn't matter mm. if you're camp or you're masculine or any of the rest of it. You know, it's I hate the fact that you know, people think that um they're almost less if you like because they're not masculine. It, it's just. Uh, uh, something like masculinity means nothing to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a huge RuPaul's Drag Race fan. I I, okay. I, I love going to camp bars. I love going to camp, camp scenes. I don't particularly act camp myself. My friends tell me whenever I get drunk, I am pretty camp. No, but, I can't imagine that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I don't believe you have to live that that you know, that stereotype, and it really makes no odds to me. Like you know, I yeah, I, I it does annoy me quite a bit. Like it genuinely does that you know. The, the 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 people are brought down because you know for when i see and i do see a lot of it you know because i do get a lot of messages and stuff and yeah i do get a lot of messages on instagram and that you know people tell me their stories and you know it breaks my heart to see like you know lads that i look at and i be like you're so good looking you're so attractive um but just because they're they're not muscular um just because they're not masculine they just feel less of themselves, and it's like, why? Like, it's just you shouldn't not you should not feel that way. You know, it, 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 there's no no reason why you should feel that way at all. Like, you know, you, you you're gorgeous in who you are. Like, you you shouldn't feel that you should have to change to be accepted or wanted by anybody. Like, you know, it's yeah, 
it's it, it does really really genuinely annoy me like um it's great to hear from someone like yourself who is so quote unquote mm. traditionally masculine who you yeah. know who is speaking out against femme shaming and internalized homophobia because it is such a huge huge problem within the gay community it really does really really does anger me so much like you know and i, I did see it a lot as well you know like um i've been asked to go to bear only nights before and i've refused to go unless it's open to everybody at the doors Okay. Um, I I'll not have any of it. Like you know, what I mean, if you're going to have a a bear theme night, hundred and ten percent happy days, but then you should allow a Mars and, and you should allow everybody in. You know, I, yeah. I don't um I don't like it where it's just you know you're judged on the door how you look. That happened to me for years. I went to nightclubs for for years and could never get in because I was too big, and they wouldn't yeah. let me in, and because I had a skinhead and I didn't have a Spice Boy hairdo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So now that I I'm living the more sort of famous life, if you like. Now, you know, am I going to be the person who turns around and and does the same? Thing? No, I'm not. Like, you know, it's it's um, it's something that annoys me so, and it's something that I want to, you know, I was starting to push into quite a bit, and now after um, lockdowns finished, I want to push into even more, where I can start doing seminars and workshops with gay men, where you know we can I can work to help increase your self worth. You know, my yeah. my body you know my body's filled with scars for for years and years of self-harming and just because of how much i hate it mm-hmm. how i look and like, that only stopped for me maybe two years ago was the last time i self-harmed yeah it's it's all the shaming from the world around us i mean gay men really internalize it and it really does manifest in different ways and one of the you know mm. particularly in adulthood and one of the main ways that it is unfortunately manifesting is in a lot of really poor body image chris it was such a pleasure chatting to you today thank you so much for sharing your story and for your honesty and best of luck with the the wedding in november yeah no barbara thank you very much fingers crossed it all goes ahead according to plan this time yeah fingers crossed because i can't be bothered organizing it again. <laughs> and keep up your great work with the mental health campaigning as well no bother, Tommy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.